League of Legends Radio. I am your host, Ponder Sea Lion. 26 episodes. We've done a full half year's worth of episodes. Pretty big milestone. I'm pretty happy about it. I did miss some weeks in the middle over the summer. My bad about that, but uh, I'm just going to say it was half a year anyways. So thank you guys for downloading this episode. going to be talking about comebacks and champion item and champion mastery relations and interactions so thank you guys again and let's just jump into the show we have seen it many times before we saw it with sejuani and cinder hulk we saw it with warwick and feral flare and then warwick with devourer and now we're seeing it with mages dot mages specifically such as brandon and nivia and the new death buyer touch what i am referring to specifically is the interaction between items or runes and masteries with champions and what Riot does to handle these interactions. So I guess we'll go based on those examples that I gave. The Sejuani was in a pretty strong place when Cinderhulk came out. She was a good tank, pretty good initiator. She was one of the champions that I really like to have on my team, but she wasn't really overbearing. So when Cinderhulk came out, it just turned her into a complete monster. Her damage was insane with the item synergy, and then you could smite Gromp and have that damage. And this was back when tanks were all insanely strong, right when Cinderhulk was released. And shortly, she just became an issue and inexcusably strong. So of course, Riot ends up nerfing her several times, and then they nerfed Cinderhulk, and now Sejuani has been left quote-unquote in the gutter. She's not as bad as people think she is, or that people say she is, but she's nowhere near her former glory, and one could even consider her weaker than pre-Cinderhulk, possibly. I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but that's what people think. That's what people say. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, singing Taylor Swift. That's what's up. Anyways, let's move on to Warwick. Warwick had his <laughs> had and has his interaction with every on-hit jungle item that we've ever had. As in, he's always broken white right when they come out with it. Feral Flare, Warwick. Really Feral Flare everyone. It's kind of like the modern It's kind of like the Ginsu's is the modern day Feral Flare. Put it on anyone who remotely auto-attacks, and they're just going to become an issue immediately. <laughs> and we saw that with Feral Flare. It was released. It was way too strong. And, of course, it's an on-hit jungle item with a healing effect. Warwick was, of course, going to become a problem. He, his win rate shot up. He was absolutely ridiculous for the longest time. And... That's really to be expected. That's what happens when you get these champions that are obviously going to synergize very well with specific items, kind of like Morgana or Fiddlesticks and Zonia's Hourglass. You can't really think of one 
without the other. It's absolutely integral to their play styles and their kits and what they want to accomplish. So, yes, they become very strong when these items are out. Let's move on to how it is affecting the game now. So we've got these mages. Brand is, of course, extremely strong right now. And Nivea is very strong right now. Uh, Malzahar has actually been picking up a lot of steam. He's always been good, but kind of sleeper good. Like, he's never really OP because of how easy it is to shut down his kit, but he's still very playable in solo queue for sure, and I would definitely recommend him to people. Anyways, these champions all, of course, have dot abilities, and they all synergize because of that extremely well with the Deathfire Touch Mastery. So, when these champions all begin to pick up steam, and they'd been seeing some play a little bit beforehand, not so much Malzahar as with the other two, but they'd been seeing some play, and so this comes out and it synergizes extremely well with them, and then these champions are going to get nerfed in the next patch, or already got nerfed, I don't re really remember, but what does this trend mean? Because Warwick, I forgot to mention it, but he was also nerfed fairly significantly when these new jungle items come out, and then again, he's claimed to be left in the gutter, but that's a conversation for another time. What does it mean that Riot releases these items that synergize so well with specific champions, and it's usually a very small number of champions, Cinderhulk, Fail Flare, we're both OP on, we're both OP on a wide variety of champions, but exceptionally so on the two that I mentioned. So, of course in a game with 120-something champions, I don't even keep track anymore, there are going to be some outliers in every single case, every single trial, there will be outliers, it's just going to happen that's just the nature of the game. What needs to be asked is how do we deal with these outliers? Do we nerf them specifically or do we nerf the cause of their outlier-ishness? That's a word. And I said it. A lot of people seem to think that just nerf, you should only nerf the item or the mastery or the rune or the blah blah blah, whatever, that is causing it rather than nerf the actual champions because... Riot does have a history of nerfing these champions, then nerfing the item, and then they're left in a state that's weaker than they probably were beforehand. People think that it's unfair to these champions that they get to be nerfed because of something that was introduced into the game. like Kind of like the we were here first thing, like the champions were here first, and then you're just going to nerf them because of this new thing that you introduced. Maybe you should have tuned that better, but... Deathfire Touch is really only being picked up from what I've seen primarily on these dot mages. A lot of the other ones like to go 18 points into the middle tree, the cunning tree. Cunning, that sounds right. I'm going to say it's right. And I'm not going to fact check it. But yeah, so Deathfire Touch is of course extremely powerful on these dot mages. So it's not as much of a an issue now as it has been, and I don't think any of them are getting super significant nerfs like Warwick and Sejuani did, but it really does raise the question of what Riot should do when it comes to these kinds of cases. And for me, League of Legends, and this is an issue that I think Riot has had and that I've mentioned before, is that League of Legends is not cohesively balanced. It's not... All the balance changes a lot of the time, unless they're like nerfs and buffs more specifically I should say, seem to be more erratic and kind of made without much of a, 
I guess a, a ladder of importance is kind of what I'm trying to say. It doesn't seem like they have a priority list necessarily. It's just like, okay, we'll do that, we'll do that, we'll do that. And they're just kind of thrown into the patches seemingly randomly, except for when we have something like the 80 carry reworks that we just had where they release all these changes to 80 carries in one patch. That doesn't really, I'm not really counting that here. So when we see something like Sejuani get nerfed repeatedly, and then the item is nerfed, I don't feel like that is, I, first of all, I do think that's unfair to Sejuani and her mains, and the people that were dedicatedly playing her before she became massively broken, but rather than nerfing everything, just nerf something specific, and then see what that does, and maybe wait a little bit longer before giving champions consecutive nerfs and consecutive patches, because that's when things like this happen. If after any given nerf, a champion is still clearly a problem, clearly an outlier, then maybe something should be done, but Riot could just use a little bit more scope in their balance decisions, and a little bit more focus when they nerf and buff champions. The main thing that I'm trying to say here is that is that Riot would benefit from maybe paying more attention to all the changes they've recently made on champions and the items that benefit or affect those champions than they seemingly do at this time. This doesn't really have as much to do with Deathfire Grasp because I don't think it's Deathfire Grasp, rest in peace, Deathfire Touch. <laughs> this doesn't really have as much to do with that case, but it is it did sort of spark my memory on this as something that I wanted to talk about, is what we want to see when it comes to synergy between items and champions. And I don't think that innate synergy is bad at all, and in fact it makes the game really cool a lot of the time, but it can also cause issues with these outlying champions. And I just think that a little bit more finesse could be used when we handle situations like this, and it's not necessarily bad for some champions to suffer more than others when it comes to nerfing and buffing items. Because certain champions benefit from certain items more or less than other ones. If we nerf Deathfire Touch, it's going to hurt Anivia, Brand, and Malzahar more than it's going to hurt something like Talon or Annie, and those are all played in the same role. But because Talon and Annie are probably going to go 18 into Cunning, or Talon's going to be taking... Uh, Fervor, if that's what it's called. I'm still learning the names. Cut me some slack. But if it's champions that are using similar tools to get the job done, but not the exact same ones, or even other mages that are taking Deathfire Touch that don't necessarily require or don't necessarily rely on it as heavily as the other ones. And I mean, Brandon, those other champions would be functional without it. They're actually all in a pretty good spot. It's not like they've just clawed their way back to the earth because of this mastery point. There are a lot of things that are helping them out right now, but there's no denying that Deathfire Touch is part of the reason and is helping them out a lot. I guess if I were to do, if I were to give my, what my course of action would be, it would be, first of all, identify the issue, which I think is something that they already do. So... When it's Warwick and Feral Flare, why is the interaction between these two champions, or not two champions, between this champion and this item so bad for the game? Well, it's because it gives 
every single thing that Warwick wants, and Warwick is an extremely overbearing champion when he's very strong. So as strong as the Warwick is, he feels even stronger because of his playstyle being so so linear that he just presses R on you and you die. And that's kind of it. So rather than necessarily thinking that the champion is extremely broken, maybe do nerf the item first. I think that nerfing the item first is the answer. And nerfing, you know, runes or masteries is also the answer because when these... It, it, it's, it wouldn't be as bad to nerf the champion first because they're allowed to have these things that make them strong, but the thing that happens is if the item continues to be strong on other champions, it's either nerf an entire class of champions, and then when the balance in the meta inevitably shifts to something else, they're all screwed, or just nerf the item right now and kind of keep it low. Keep the... Like, short patch notes are better than long patch notes 90% of the time because you want the changes being made on the game to be minimal because that means that it's closer to a somewhat balanced state. Is League of Legends ever going to be perfectly balanced? No. That's never going to happen. It can't happen because science. But fewer changes mean that the game is in an okay spot. I'd say the game is... Not really in a great spot right now because we've got, you know, Jax, Mundo, Irelia, Ginsu's, <laughs> and, but these are, it's not a, a specific class of champions that's just absolutely destroying everyone innately. It's just some broken interactions with items like Jax and Ginsu's or just Mundo being Mundo <laughs> right now that are causing the issue. So while the game is a bit unbalanced. AD carries need to be toned down. Those champions that I mentioned need to be brought down. It's not really a horrible state of balance to be in right now. I feel like a lot of champions are, for the most part, playable right now. Once Riot fixes those those champions that I mentioned and tones down ADC slightly, even if the game looks balanced, which it won't, but even if it did, it won't be, and something will players will figure out something that's incredibly strong or something will happen and it will shift again and then we'll have if we were to you know absolutely gut the interaction between Mundo or not between Mundo between Jax and Ginsu's and then the meta shifts to favor say range top laners like Jace God forbid Teemo Gnar these kinds of champions and that those champions that can really bully Jax out of lane, well, his favorite item and him, if we nerfed both, have just been gutted, and now he's in an unfavorable meta, so he's going to be screwed regardless. So it would be better for us to have just nerfed Ginsu's and left him alone, and then when the meta shifts, he might still have issues, but they won't be as glaring as they would be if we nerfed both him and the item. I just think that taking a light brush when it comes to this kind of thing is more beneficial to the game's health overall. That's all I'm trying to say. They haven't done anything too crazy yet as far as nerfing or buffing champions besides Quinn. I hate Quinn. Um, what the hell, Riot? <laughs> I was watching Night Blue Player on one of his videos and he, with Moby's, hit with his toggleable ultimate 
hit 776 movement speed just with that toggle and mobis and like maybe static shiv or something like what is that like as a master Yi main that's infuriating because i couldn't hit that with my ultimate like really a toggle <sighs> anyways um yeah that's about all i have to say on the topic just i just want riot to maybe slow it down a little bit with their balance because we don't want champions to end up getting screwed over for unnecessary reasons because we could have just nerfed the cause of the interaction rather than nerfing them and the interaction. Everybody loves a good comeback story. So I figure I should talk about League of Legends comebacks. Unfortunately, they are a bit rare these days. Uh, game, sh game length has been completely shortened by the weaker tower system and the increased minion pushing and the Rift Herald, which makes snowballing even more impressive, and the Ignite on top lane, which makes snowballing more important for top lane. All these factors have really come together and put more emphasis on the early game. What this means is that comebacks are more difficult to come by. However, there's no point even talking about comebacks if you don't know what the recipe for a comeback is. So I figured I should talk a little bit about that today so that on the slim chance that some of you guys do have an opportunity for a comeback, you can still pull it off. The first and most important part about a comeback is, wait for it, it's cheesy as hell, team morale. And that's not for any BS reason, like, you guys just have to come together. It's just about people wanting to continue playing the game. If you've got a team that all they're concerned about is getting out of the game and playing a new one, you're not going to get a comeback because none of them are going to be trying. They're just going to be sort of twiddling their thumbs until the surrender vote is available. Those kinds of teams, you're not going to make a comeback with. Just move on, go to the next game. And I am a huge fan of surrendering, okay? I don't want to make it sound like I'm not. I do surrender games fairly often. I'm a pretty good judge of when a game's over. I have been playing this game for a long time. I do know what I'm talking about typically when a game is over, unless the enemy team does something monumentally stupid that you could never predict. But that's typically the only thing that'll throw me. So, of course, you need team morale because you want people to continue to play and you want them to be motivated. And really, in League of Legends, it's hard to motivate people to keep trying. And it's really not worth your effort. Like, focus on you. If you think something you say can make a difference, then do it. If you're just trying to make them not straight-up AFK, do it. <coughs> Unless the score is, you know, beyond repair, and you know that you've lost, then don't bother with them. So, of course you need team morale. The second important part is assessing your team comp versus the enemy team comp. Now, even people seem to think that because a champion is quote-unquote early game focused, that after early game, even if they've snowballed, they'll still fall off in about 10 or 15 minutes. And that's just not the case. So just because you're playing against a Pantheon and you've got a Tristana does not mean that you're going to win that game if you get it past the 30-minute mark. A Tristana with 
two items at the 30-minute mark is still more useless than a five-item pantheon. I'm just being honest. Don't think that just because you've got the team comp for the win that you can do it. However, team comp is an important part. If you do have a late-game-oriented team comp and you think that you have enough wave clear to stop the bleeding then you can maybe pull off a team comp, uh, uh not you can pull off a team comp you can definitely pull off a team comp um pull off a comeback that's what i was trying to say so you're really going to want one of the more important aspects of it is wave clear because you want to stop those minions from pushing honestly more so than anything wave clear is probably one of the single most important things you can have when it comes to making comebacks so if you've got something like an Anivia or maybe a, even a Tristana or one of those champions that has really good wave pushing and wave clear, then you do have a chance of making it back. This goes back to how people think about League of Legends. So one thing that I've seen many teams lose because of, I've lost because of it, I've seen people lose because of it, is getting overconfident with a lead. And this is actually something that happens if a team takes all six of the non-inhibitor and non-nexus turrets early is that they just go stir-crazy and there's nothing for them to to take and it's too early in the game to be trying to siege inhibitor turrets. So rather than just pressuring the lanes and going and farming all the jungle camps and trying to take, you know, dragons and such, they they try to force a play. And that's one of the worst things you can do. You want plays to come up organically in League of Legends. You can't force things and they'll try and force a tower dive or they'll try and force a, a fight around the jungle and they end up throwing their lead because of it so one thing that you can do if you're behind is wait for them to go crazy and then jump on you or just wait for them to be pressuring mid as five people rather than pressuring all the lanes at once which is what they should be doing and you can try and get someone split pushing top or bot lane and that can really help out your team and alleviate some pressure. If they're still, you know, level 8, there's no way they're going to pull off a dive on your your inhibitor tower. If you have any, you know, CC to speak of, they're just not going to be able to do it. Unless you really screwed up. So, split pushing is a good way to get back into it. Waiting for the enemy to mess up is a good way to get back into it. Another tactic you can use is farming jungle camps and this is more difficult to do when you're super far behind i'm talking more about when you know they've already taken your first tower or something and all you can really do is sit under your own tower for fear of them coming because you don't have any any deep wards to speak of so farming jungle camps can be as long as you're not doing it at your jungler's expense because junglers matter jungler lives matter <laughs> I uh, probably shouldn't make that joke, but whatever. There's no way that making a joke like that could ever go wrong under any circumstances in any scenario, I'm sure. So, yeah, you don't want to put your jungler behind because that's bad. And I will find you, and I will be slightly irritated at you if you, if you take your jungle camps. Why is it that certain champions just feel entitled to jungle camps? I'm sorry to, like, be stereotypical and hate on Yasuo players, but, like, every Yasuo I've ever seen constantly takes the Wraith camp. <laughs> Stop doing that. I need that. I'm trying 
to sate here. <sighs> Anyways, that had nothing to do with anything that I'm talking about, but I wanted to say it, so there you have it. Don't take my race anymore. Okay, one thing that's also important to note, and this is something that makes me a bad laner, is that even though I know it on paper, I still mess it up all the time, is that it's okay to miss CS. Like, it's okay to just get the EXP. You don't have to try to last hit every minion, especially if you know that they're going to kill you for it. That Like, I know that I constantly lose half my health bar going for a minion because it's just so painful to just watch that cannon die. Like, you can't do it. You know that it's a bad idea to go for it, but you just can't do it. But one of the, the phrases that I used earlier is stopping the bleeding, and that is something that's hard to do in a game like League of Legends that is very objective and snowball-oriented, especially in this current patch of League of Legends, which is very snowball-oriented. But you really do have to give up certain objectives and advantages, be it just, you know, the three melee minions in a wave, or, you know, give up that dragon. You are going to lose objectives all the time. Tons of times. You don't need to get to try to save everything, because it's better to just let something go than to try and make one last hurrah to save it, and then you end up dying and losing even more objectives because of it. So that's something that you have to keep in mind when you're trying to make a comeback is just going even or slightly behind with the enemy team is not necessarily that bad of a thing given that you have the team comp to come back. If you're all or if you're all early game oriented champions and you lost anyways, it could be just time to throw in the towel. You just don't want to be trying to make plays 24-7 when you're behind now. If it's like they're going for Baron and you have to try and steal it or your team automatically loses, then yeah, go for it. Why not? But yeah, you, you, you're you smart enough to you're smart enough to know the difference between the situations that I'm talking about. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Another thing that you can keep in mind is, and this does sort of come with experience, if I'm being completely honest, and it's something that you get better at the more you play. And it's it's one of the things that I personally would consider myself to be pretty good at. That's part of the reason that I got to Diamond was because of abusing this. And it's just looking for patterns in the opponent's play style and abusing them. So if you can tell that their Caitlyn constantly wants to go aggressive on you, you can use that to your advantage. You can try to bait her into doing something stupid and wait for her overconfidence and cockiness to get her killed. That's a super viable thing to do. Or if you see that a Riven player, and I see these types of players constantly in low diamond and platinum elo, and they're the Riven mains with fabulous mechanics, super flashy, really good at the game in that sense, but they have the map awareness of a potato and the macro level gameplay of a wiener dog, and it's just if they don't win the game, if they don't win their lane, and sometimes even if they do win their lane, they just don't know what to do. They got to where they are with fast fingers, but they don't know jack about the actual game. And I mean that may be unfair, but their their macro level play is clearly not on par with the the ranking that they're at. Because they have a different skill set. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is something that they will have to work on. And 
anyways, I'm not here to preach to them, but if you notice that that's kind of the case with the enemy player, like their ribbon is constantly split pushing, rather than sending someone to try and stop the ribbon, just focus your attention on the other side of the map or try to force a 4v5. If you're so far behind that you'll straight up lose a 4v5, that's not good. And I mean, maybe you can try and farm your way back into it, but if you know that the Riven can 2v1 your team, but you also know that the Riven is not going to want to group with their team, then you can use that to your advantage. Just let the Riven take those top, uh, those tier 2 towers while you guys try to force a fight. It's, it, I've seen it happen a lot of the time, and then the other good thing that happens with that is that it really destroys the other team's morale and their attitudes get a lot worse because they know that they would have won that if the stupid Riven would have just grouped up with them instead of split pushing for no reason, waiting for two people to go up there so she could kill them both. And then you guys don't play her game, you guys play your game, and that's how you win the game. Game on. Get your head in the game. Just... I don't know. I feel like I'm selling sports drinks, but sadly I'm not. Yeah, one last message, and I've mentioned it several times, but do not underestimate the power of turtling under your own tower. Towers are kind of made of spaghetti this season, but that's okay. You can still use turtling to your advantage, and you can still really hang on to games that way by just not going for anything crazy, because people seem to think when they're behind, that they have to make some game-winning play, or otherwise the team is just going to suffocate them to death, and sometimes that's the case. However, rarely is trying to make a play on the team that's ahead, unless you have some, like, insane wombo combo to speak of. That's another way you can win, but I don't really want to talk about that because it's kind of obvious that wombo combo can win you the games, but, but you don't have to go for crazy plays when you're behind. You can just... Let the enemy team push and just sit under your own tower and not try to do anything and just let them exhaust themselves and get bored trying to push under your tower without getting killed or without taking tower aggro. They will get tired of that probably eventually and they will probably get, you know, their trigger finger itching to try and go in on you guys and that's when you can win the game off of their overconfidence because a lot of the time... It is true that they can suffocate you and that they can just keep pushing for the win. But the thing is, most people, even though they realize that in their heads, and I'm especially guilty of this crap, especially when it comes to going for 1v1s and kills, I know that I shouldn't be doing it, but I'm just too restless, so I do it anyways. And if I do that, then trust me, lots of other players do that because, you know, I mean, just to speak frankly, most people are not as good at this game as me, and that's not necessarily trying to brag, but I'm just saying that if I do something bad all the time, even though I know that I shouldn't, then chances are people that you're playing with are going to do the exact same stuff. So just keep that in mind when you're trying to come back on these games. It's not about... League of Legends is not... League of Legends games are not won, they're lost. And sometimes you just have to let the enemies figure that out for themselves. Throws happen all the time in low elo. Harder this season than it was in previous seasons, but it still does happen. You just have to know what to do to manufacture these throws. To to 
nudge the enemy team in the correct direction for you to be able to win these games off of their throws. So I hope that some of this is stuff that you haven't really heard as much about when it comes to these kinds of things, and I tried not to harp too much on the just-be-a-team-player crap because I hate that. I mean, morale is important, but God, I'm not going to talk about it for 15 minutes. <laughs> that would be awful. All right, guys, that brings episode 26 of League of Legends Radio to a close. Thank you so much for all my new listeners and everyone that's been with me this whole time. It really has been a lot of fun, and I'm really excited with where the show is going. So thank you guys so much for the download. I really do appreciate it. If you guys like this, one thing that helps me out a lot is following me on Twitter. I'm going to try and be more active on Twitter than I have been recently, but if you guys could just throw me a follow on Twitter, I would be extremely grateful. So thank you guys for downloading this episode. I'm Ponderous Sea Lion. Peace out, and I'll catch you on the flippity-flop. This has been League of Legends Radio.